You're listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, episode 275. Ranking the post-Lassiter era? Ah, uh, yeah, we'll go with that. Welcome to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, the number one place to get your animation fix with animation addicts just like you. Each episode, we dive into the wonderful world of animation featuring Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, and everything in between. From hilarious discussions and movie reviews to interviews with industry insiders, this show's mission is to brighten your day through our love of animation. So hop on your nerdy couch, grab some snacks, and get ready to hang out with your animation besties because it's time to dive into to today's episode. Hey there, animation addicts. I'm Morgan Stradling. And I am Chelsea Robson. And here we are, our fourth and final Pixar era. This will be an interesting one. First off, we're having trouble even figuring out what we should call it because it's so new. We don't really know what to call it. But there's some interesting history that's happening here. A lot of changes in the market and how films are viewed and, and how Disney is distributing their films and Pixar. So Lots to discuss, so we will get to that right after this. You are my sunshine, my own sunshine. You make me happy when skies are green. You never know, dear, I'm So a couple episodes ago, we sent out a question to the fans saying, please help us figure out what to call this era because we're really having issues. We're not really sure what to call it. And even today, we're still like, "Uh, I guess (laughs) this is what we're calling it. (laughs) But we did get a voicemail. And so we want to start out with that and see how that one's able to join in on the discussion. Hey, Rotoscopers. This is Jazzyne A. And I'm happy to discuss my opinion over the new Pixar age. I liked how that Reddit post classified those distinct periods, but if the studio were to have eras of their own like Disney, they'd only have two, which are the Lasseter and Doctor era. If you were to determine the name of Pixar's current state, I guess we should call it the Doctor Age, which kind of has a double meaning regarding the ongoing pandemic. You could also refer to it as the Disney Plus Age, but considering the releases of Onward and Lightyear, it wouldn't make any sense. Anyways, that's all I have to suggest. If you want to hit me up, I am Animation Dreamer on Instagram or JazzVNA on TikTok. Thank you, and have a magical day. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> <Woo-hoo>! <laughs> Thank you so much. Okay, Animation Dreamer. So this is an interesting take. Uh, should, we, should we discuss it at the end, maybe splitting this into just two ages, or just talk about it right now? Let's just talk about it right now, since we're here. So basically... She's saying that the we'd have the Lasseter era and then the Doctor era, which I'm assuming the cutoff point for the Lasseter era would be when Lasseter leaves. So 2018-ish, whether you want to include Incredibles 2 in the beginning or the end of that is up to you. Um, probably include it in the Lasseter era because he was very much involved up in... Yeah, yeah it came out. I think at end of 2018 is when he was ousted, like December. So he would have been around. Interesting. Um, same thing yeah. with Toy Story 4. I think he'd maybe include him as well, because even though it came out in 2019, he was basically up until the very end involved. So, and then you have our Doctor era, which is, is this is an interesting. Pete Doctor has directed three films in the Lasseter age. It's an interesting thing. I just feel like there's so many films. It's 20 
in one era. It's just a lot. It is a lot of films. And also, I feel like even during the sequel age, John Lasseter had an entirely different role Mm -hmm. with Pixar. Yes. Because he was over both Pixar and Disney. Right. And we can... We can attribute a lot of really great Disney films to him. Yes, during this time period. Just his leadership and, and, and just his mind for story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you have, I, I feel like that's incomplete to just say Lasseter yeah. and then Doctor. I do see how you would. You totally could. You totally Nonetheless, could. Nonetheless, yeah. I, I think it's very clear that there is this line of differentiation demarcation demarcation at the same point for either however you're going to categorize it it's like something 2020 changed uh, and we all know what that is yeah so let's talk about it so (laughs) we right now we're just we've kind of decided we're going to call it the post lassiter era you know because it 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 makes it clear that hey this is a new new era a new guy but there was very many influential people involved in the studio uh even in the pixar brain trust are still there And also I have a hard time calling it the COVID era just because it's like it depending on where you live in the in the United States or in the world like COVID in 2022 has a very different feel than it does in 2020. But I can also see how movies that were in the pipeline in 2020 are going to continue to be affected by that Mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. the next several years. So you still could quantify it in that way. And even the Disney Plus era is interesting because it is true. Majority of these films ended up going directly to Disney Plus or were moved over to Disney Plus. Will Disney Plus be a thing 10 years from now? If I were to make a bet, I would say Mm -hmm. yes, absolutely. It's now just a new distribution channel. Very interesting. So, yeah, we're we're still we're going with the post Lasseter era until something better comes around. The COVID era just seems too too specific to just a few of those years. As I believe yeah. we'll still be adding to this list probably for a few more years until we break into a new era. You know, typically these have lasted five to 10 years or so. So we're pretty early into it with quite a few films. So we have five films within three-ish years. First up, Onward 2020, directed by Dan Scanlon. So as far... This one technically was pre-2020. It just happened to come out like as things yes. were crumbling (laughs) early march 2020 and uh, two weeks later (laughs) everything closed down and shut down so it really only had two weeks in so when we're talking box office it's hard to really even talk about so it made a 100 175 to 200 million dollar budget and made 141 million dollars which at the time we would have said like oh heartbreaking just horrible but then you look at the box office for all the films that have come previous it's like oh well hey it's not too shabby but it's still it it's just so heartbreaking i remember when this happened just so much work had gone into goes into any film and to see something this once in a lifetime event just totally crush it unexpected no one ever would have predicted this and so it has basically two weeks in theaters until everyone closes up shop and we move it over to disney plus and never again will it hit theaters so we don't know what the potential of this film really was right but for two weeks to do 141 million is not bad i don't it, yeah that was coming pretty good trajectory probably would have fallen maybe in the 500 million dollar range this film mm-hmm. it came out in march which was an interesting time so it just it's kind of that going into spring break families were excited to see it but it it wasn't the film itself is kind of not a letdown but it's generic ish yeah i haven't watched it since then 
So I re- still remember it, which is more than I can say for a lot of films <laughs> because yeah. like, oh yeah, I know that, you know, they go on this quest and they have all these different characters and then you have the, the lion who, who owns the restaurant and, you know, there's so, there's just so many little things that I remember about this. And I, and I don't want to say that it didn't get me emotionally because there were moments that I was like, that's very sweet, you know, cause he's talking about how his brother was actually played the part of his dad growing up and just, it's very tender feelings that would be accompanying with it. Um, so I, I get all good things around it, but yeah, it doesn't have the same, I'd have to go through again and really dissect it as to like why it maybe doesn't have the same um, emotional pull as mm-hmm. some of the others. Uh, but I, I don't think that it's a bad film by any stretch. Right. Right. So next up is soul, which also came out in 2020 directed by Pete doctor. It had a hundred fifty mm-hmm. million dollar budget, and it was not released in the U.S. and Canada, but in other territories it was. It did a hundred and twenty million dollars, so that was ended up being its worldwide total. So really, not too bad considering yeah. the U.S. and Canada weren't even included in the mix. And at this point, we're still twenty twenty, right? But right, there were movies that were opening up, um, and theaters that were open. Yeah, more so than even six months prior. I mean, you're still in a different world. Depending that, on the yeah, de- depending on where you're at. Yeah. Yeah. And like, for example, in Arizona, theaters were open up. Right. So my thing was, okay, even though not every jurisdiction and area is opened up, fine. Why wouldn't you still release it for those that are to capture mm-hmm. back any chance that you can of, of getting that budget back. That's how I'm, I'm just always concerned about <laughs> making the budget back. That's the, I most, want money. that's the most important thing to me. <laughs> did you make the budget back? That is my number. One. I don't care if it's a good movie or not. Like, did it make it back? Just kidding. But really I'm, I'm hypercritical of that. I think that's my business side that it's just like, okay, like yeah, we got to have for good sure. investments here. And thanks. Miss you MBA. know, this movie had so much potential. <laughs> I just remember, you know, it's, it's set in New York City. It's this black man who's a magician. Magician. <laughs> He's a musician. Thank you. A musician. He's a struggling musician. Yes. And it's just that whole world was so cool and interesting that I wanted yeah. to see more of that. I wanted to see his world. But we get this like Princess and the Frog sort of thing where he transforms into yeah. just this thing, um, you know, this afterlife sort of thing. So they're like hitting afterlife, which you know, can be very religious for people. And it's just like this amorphous, whatever, like moving on to the great beyond. And yeah. Um, and it just doesn't really make sense. It's like, he comes, gets pushed off or like is able to come back, but it makes it seem like this is total anomaly. It doesn't happen. And it's just weird. And then, you know, there's the other, I can't even remember the other little character's name, but they end up like switching bodies. Uh huh. It's more about like their relationship. It's like, I don't really care about her. And, and then he's stuck in, he's, She's trying to be him and he's stuck in the cat and it's just why, Yeah, you know? And yeah, there was a lot of, of story. Like, what are you trying to say? What are you wanting mm-hmm. to do with this? And especially if you're, I mean, Pixar is non-religious. And so if you're going to steer clear of religious stuff, you end up making up your own religion going <laughs> by doing so. And so it's just a weird Thing that there are parts of this that I enjoyed and then I got out of it. But then there are other parts that I was like, I just don't feel like this had any staying power. Yeah. So that's soul. That's some interesting music. Um, I love jazz and, and 
the whole mm-hmm. score was this jazz compositions that were really cool and unique and fun. Um, but yeah, it just didn't really hit the mark, unfortunately, for me. I know a lot of people really love it. You know, looking at the Rotten Tomatoes for it, 95% critic, 88% uh-huh. um, audience, ranked 12th out of 26, which to me would be surprising, but that's okay. I'm not the consensus, just kind of my opinion on it, but... Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. So there we go. Now let's move to Luca 2021, Enrico Casarosa, who you might know him from La Luna. Uh And uh, so this was an interesting film. No budget. This is the only Pixar film where the budget was never released, but in, and it wasn't released in the US. It was just strictly Disney Plus in a summer, in the summer release. So this was 2021 and it was a lot more places were open up. The vaccine had come out. Uh And so, you know, people were feeling more comfortable and going out places and kind of chomping at the bit bit to do so. Um, However, only did $49 million in the box office. I really liked this film. I thought it was super charming. Yes, it was kind of generic in some ways, but for some reason, I liked the fact that the main character wasn't the main character. Mm-hmm. Like the main arc wasn't Luca. It was the friend, you know? So, yeah. and um, there were just little things about it that I'm like, I really like this. I like the music. I like the Riviera. So I, I'm sad that it didn't, that I'm looking at, audience is like 86 percent and then everybody else the critics is like 91 percent so i this is a place where i agree more with the critics than i do the audience which is rare but (laughs) you are a critic i am you're allowed to be one of them (laughs) (laughs) but i I liked it and i it made me sad that this was one of those that was basically a forgotten pixar film yeah it really it really kind of was which is sad and disappointing but it was just kind of a matter of bad place, bad time and bad strategy. They, I, I Mm -hmm. firmly disagree with Disney in their worldwide distribution strategy for soul Luca and, and turning red, especially we'll talk about Uh it, but here's the thing. There were so few films that were coming out and Mm -hmm. it just seemed like, okay, if you're going to throw it on Disney plus anyway, Mm -hmm. why would you not just give it in theaters and do the whole six weeks later, then you can watch it on Disney Plus, which ended up happening for Encanto mm-hmm. around the same time. And Encanto didn't maybe do as incredible at the theaters. It's just a matter of like be- it being 2021. Right. However, once it hit Disney Plus, it just exploded. And now like every little girl is dressed as Mirabelle for Halloween right now, which is amazing. Right. So it's just for me, it's just kind of like a the competition is so low. Why wouldn't you take advantage? Because everyone was freaking out. Like everyone kept pushing their dates, pushing their dates, pushing their dates. And so there are only a handful of films. Like, go for it. Do it. Why not? I mean, even yeah, if you just I mean, made a hundred well. million dollars and then throw it on Disney Plus, that's a hundred million dollars. I don't know. We don't see that we don't see the strategy of like, okay, a movie's being released exclusively on Disney Plus. How many new subscribers signed up? Would would right. that be fifty million? Would that be a hundred million? I really have a hard time believing that because we've seen the Netflix model where they're still underwater and they're still not, you know, profitable, but they keep paying an arm and a leg for all these. I don't know. That's another day, but I've said it a million times, but Disney plus just feels like a direct to DVD thing for me still to this day. It It doesn't feel like a quality thing. It just feels like, well, throw it on there. You know, it, it just feels like direct to DVD, direct to video. And so to me, in my mind, quality is less, even though they're really high quality Pixar films. So here is my outlook. I feel like they were probably taking one of two 
routes. Probably during, especially around Seoul, they were like, okay, let's try to figure out which model would still make us profitable. Would we be able to re- recoup everything if we just stick with the direct to Disney Plus thing? Like, and there, I can see them taking that risk and seeing that as taking a risk and seeing that as a, I'm, we're really just trying to have a, a closed net of seeing what will bring in money like do we need to keep going to the theaters or not like okay let's see where that um where those lines cross that make it profitable but i think once you get to luca and then later into turning red is and then with lightyear you start seeing that no they've just decided that pixar is now disney tunes (laughs) 2.0 disney tune studios yikes that is where I am. I see what they're doing and based on how they are treating Which the is Pixar film to Pixar. I'm yeah. Oh, yeah. Thoroughly offended. I'm offended for them. Yes. yes. I mean, that, and you can also say, oh, well, they wanted to be make sure that everyone was being safe. They're just doing this because they're trying to make sure that, you know, not putting anybody at risk. Now, you and I come from a, a more of a open mindset saying that if somebody has the desire to take a risk, it's not going to hurt me. So let them take that risk. Mm -hmm. I don't care. I can make my own decisions and I will do that. And so you and I have that mindset, but you can also see, and I have seen in, especially looking into the California areas and in, you know, some of the major metropolitan areas, there's is much more of a, we need to make these decisions for you. And so we are going to not even give you the choice. And so I see that with maybe a Luca and a soul, but then once you start throwing in the Encanto and Encanto comes out and they're still going to be like half and half on what they're going to do with Pixar, that's when you tell, nope, it's not them trying to be safe. This is them giving Pixar the shaft. Agreed. Mic drop. Agreed. (laughs) Not fair. Did not deserve it. It's not. Yeah. Next is Turning Red. Now, Turning Red was interesting because 2022, I really feel as we were, we were shifting course. We had in December, 2021, we had Spider-Man, is it No Way Home that had done over a billion dollars, which just seemed unreal. Yes, it was a Marvel film, but based on, you know, we've seen these. And it was like the culmination of all of the Spider-Man. Like there was, it was an event. (laughs) Right. But based on, you know, some of these other dinky box office performance, you know, for some of these other films, it's like, wow, that was expected, but unexpected based on, you know, how other films of the year had done. Um, So, I mean, I feel like that was the huge, we're back. Like, let's go back. Let's do this again. And so Turning Uh Red comes out March, 2020, 2022. And uh, two months prior, they shift strategy. It was supposed to come out by th- in theaters and then they change it for some reason. And we don't know what that reason is, but they changed it and it went, nope, you're just going all, all Disney plus. And I was so ticked. Yeah. Yeah. Ticked for Pixar. That's... Okay. <laughs> yeah. This is evidence to me that they are turning this into that mm-hmm. Disney Toon Studios 2.0. And some might say they closed Disney Toon Studios, so now they have to have a directive DVD market, you know. <laughs> yeah. And exactly. so they're like, well, we we've acquired so many of these things. We closed down Blue Sky, we closed down all of our competition, but we own their we own their catalog. So it doesn't really matter, but we still need that lower tier. So that's what Pixar will be. Like that's what it feels like. Yeah. 
Was that an actual discussion? No, I don't know. I can't prove it, but by their fruits, you shall know them. <laughs> like This is what's happening. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> you know, and I don't know, they never gave us a reason. And I don't know if it was like the content of the film, you know, this is more of a, not like an inside out, a coming of age story, but it is a coming of age story, but it's a little bit more sensitive subject matter. You know, some will say these mm-hmm. stories need to be told about puberty and and whatnot. And others will say, yeah, I don't need a movie studio teaching my kids about that. Yeah. Uh, so who knows? You know, I don't know if maybe initial audience screenings, maybe they they weren't performing as well, but it just seemed really strange. Something happened behind the scenes where they did this and decided this is yeah. what we're doing. Um, I don't know if it was because they got scared about the content of the movie or just what, um, but they did. And so here we are. But this is what happened. Yeah. It, it ended up doing just $19 million on a $175 million budget. Ugh, breaks my heart, that budget. <laughs> and critics loved it. 95% of critics loved it. 71% of audience. Now I know, you know, moms or families we're kind of polarized on this film because Pixar had become this family-friendly brand. Yeah. And this was Pixar, but it was it wasn't a f- everyone come to this movie. I I still say that young kids uh, 4 5 6 even you know 7 8 it maybe shouldn't this wasn't really for them. It's not it's not a bad film, but there are some topics that it's just like, eh, I don't know if that's necessarily needed for a to be introduced to a little kid, like a but, four-year-old. Yeah, but then other people, you know, other people say, well, it's going to go over their head anyway. They just enjoy the big fluffy panda, you know? And I think, right. Yeah. There's, and, and then oh, we can go back to our episode. Just the whole moral of the story just doesn't sit right with me. Um, yeah. Some people love it, but for me, I just, I didn't. Yeah. It was directed by Domishi and it, as far as it's 15th out of 26, as far as uh, being critically consensed, the, the critical consensus, the Rotten Tomato score, which is so funny. It's a 95%, but still kind of middle bottom. Things <laughs> are so yeah. good that they, they just, again, that bell curve skews that way. Yeah. There we go. That's turning red. And then just a few months later, we get Lightyear, which is released in theater. So they finally uh-huh. said, fine, you know, the, the film that's, the franchise that everybody knows, we'll, we'll do it. Okay, so I stand corrected. This was not a simultaneous Disney Plus box office release. It did the typical year. You got six weeks in theaters before it hits Disney Plus, which in case you don't know what that is, the studios have an agreement with the movie theaters. And this kind of changed a little bit during 2020. But the the initial Mm -hmm. agreement is you have 60 days from the date of your release to release it on a digital platform. And 90 days to, I think it's 90 or maybe it's been changed to 75, but something like that for home, home media, like physical copies. Mm -hmm. That's why sometimes when you see an advertisement like available on digital HD now and, and Blu-ray next week, it's because that's how it's been negotiated, but they're going back to these old terms, like the old way that things used to, and the whole reason for this was the the movie theaters are like, well, we're not going to release your movie if you're not going to let us have a fair chance to have some profits and really do well. So I believe that's fair. And I like that personally. Um, so I'm glad they did that, but Lightyear came out in 2022, $200 million budget and did $226 million. 
uh, con- kind of was considered a flop, considering that it was a, the Toy Story franchise, which to this point just was blown out of the water, had always been successful. Right. Even every previous one had done more or less better. So, yeah, I saw this recently. I'm going to give you my opinion and I'm going to give you spoilers. So if you don't want to know spoilers, then you can skip ahead or just, you know, see you later. (laughs) Go watch it or something. But here it's been out a while. So here we go. Basically, there were multiple times I got bored within the first 30 minutes. You have Buzz and he's got a, a partner in crime and some random rookie that's going along with them. And they're on this space station that has a whole bunch of people in like cryogenic frozenness like so they're frozen people basically and they're trying to move them from one place to another they end up crash landing on on some random planet that ends up being hostile and he ends up ruining the ship so now they have to go ahead and figure out a way to get him off and there's multiple times where buzz is like i'm gonna give up no i'm not i'm gonna keep going and they start into this process of trying to figure out how to get a warp speed generator going and that warp speed generator they finally get it working but every time that he goes out to try he ends up coming back like four to ten years later and because as he's going through the warp speed time for him slows down but time on this random planet goes by faster mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. At, yeah. nor- at their normal rate and so he comes back it's only been four minutes for him but he comes back and it's four years later and his partner in crime has now engaged and he sees that it's so great that actually you know if i if we had never landed here i never would have i never would have been engaged and and then it moves on okay now we're he k- goes out again and he comes back and everybody's a little bit older oh now they have a son oh now they have now the son's going to college now like okay where are you going to college on this rand mm-hmm. <laughs> on this random planet that you just crash landed on. But it's like all of these people that were in cryogenic stasis are now alive and they're kind of just building their own little place on this planet. But he keeps trying and he keeps leaving. And basically every day he gets up and he looks and he sees how the world has changed around him over the last four to 10 years. And he goes out again and now he comes back. His partner in crime has died of old age. And once the partner in crime has died, they basically close down the operation. And so they're like, we're not even going to try to get off the planet anymore. When he comes back, you know, whatever mm-hmm. sucks to be him. And so he comes back and he's like, what? My whole thing is over with now. But he had this robotic cat <laughs> that has been working on a configuration in order to try and, and get the warp speed generator working. He's finally figured it out. It's taken 60 years to do so. But now he's like, "Okay, great. And they're about to they end up making one of these things. And he goes out into space again. But he had broken the rules because they had already closed down the program. He comes back and now he sees that there's another spaceship trying to destroy them. And he there's only a couple people that have been that were out on patrols or something. And so they're not underneath the the dome of you know, safety. And it ends up being the granddaughter of his partner in crime, plus some other random people that don't have a lot of context to the story, but they're there. And then there's a part where he shows that he's completely against any rookies or working with anybody lower than him. But then it comes out that, no, it's because I was the worst person on the team. And so I, I failed so many times, which is why I don't want to work with people less than me. It's just 
weird how his motivations really aren't in line with anything. And there were multiple times where I just got really bored. There were about in the first 30 minutes with the grandma, like, so the grandma of partner in crime is like growing old and he didn't really want to be there. And I don't even think that all of her scenes were even necessary, except for maybe like the first time he goes away and comes back. Mm -hmm. But he does this multiple times. And I feel like they're trying to, and it's Michael Giacchino on it as well, which I didn't know that going into it. But then afterward, I was like, oh, yeah, that's totally him, because it really felt like he was trying to manipulate you into a, a married life scene of up during that first scene of watching everybody else's life move on while you are still tr he's still trying to go back and forth on these missions. And it's like he doesn't care enough to want to stay behind and even meet new people and like talk to these people. Like he just kind of like looks at him and like, all right, guy, bye. We'll see you again when mm -hmm. I'm back, you know, and there could have been at least 30 minutes just taken out at that first point, just because it's like, I don't care. And then like this misfit team, they were more annoying than fun. And then there was this fight scene where Izzy loses the fuel cell and all I wanted to do was fast forward. I was just like, okay, fast forward. <laughs> and I tried to fast forward and then it was like, it went too far. And so I had to go back and I was like, oh crap, I have to watch this again. <laughs> but anyway, they lose the fuel cell and the rookie there at the very beginning, it's like such a throwaway person. Like you really get nothing out of this person. He's just there to show that Buzz doesn't like rookies and doesn't like working with people who are less competent than he is. And I guess I'm looking at, okay, what are the themes of this? And one theme was like, mistakes aren't always bad. Okay, I can get behind that. Rookies can get better. Cool. All right. Another theme was your job doesn't determine if your life matters, but your family and your relationships do. And I can get behind that as well. But it isn't like he ever learned that family lesson. He just watches everybody else. And even at the end, he still just wants to be a space ranger. And so it's like he doesn't get any of that. And then I didn't like how come to find out that later the final version is that Buzz's future self is actually Zerg. So they've kind of thrown out whatever is Toy Story lore and canon and they've just kind of created their own thing. Like the idea of this is that this was the original movie and that all of the Toy Stories were more or less a spinoff of this movie. And if you would have gone back and actually made this at in order, then I could have gotten behind that. But because you have had four films of this being Toy Story canon and then coming back and saying, oh, actually, no, it's not. It's actually this story. It just doesn't make sense. And it doesn't pay off for the audience, the fan. I, 45 minutes was just so much of boringness. You really didn't need to do that. Like editors, come on now. Like this really could have been cut down to like a 45 minute episode or even like 60 minutes. Like, but it was just two hours. It sounds one boring and incredibly boring. And it sounds like it should have <laughs> been a short, like a, this is a cool, because yeah. the whole premise was like, Hey, this was the movie that got Andy excited about buzz and started right. the buzz phenomenon. Um, and then it's like, well, really, if this is what it was, you think five-year-olds are into this from my perspective, buzz 
was very cartoony in even in Andy's world. Yeah. You know, and, and you see the, yeah. the posters that are on his wall. It's like this cartoony sort of thing. And and they try to make it realistic, like almost like he was a real person. And they should have skewed more cartoony and villainy and fun. And they tried to mm-hmm. make it real world. And it's not working. They tried to go into the sci-fi. Yeah. And the thing is, Toy Story is fun, but this was serious. It was, mm-hmm. it was too serious yes. and it fell yes. flat. And I honestly don't believe that this would be a film that was engaging enough to kids that they would have wanted the Buzz toy. Right, right. It was just a sci-fi thing, and I don't care. <laughs> I don't. I just. I didn't feel any type of connection to yeah. it. Yeah, and I think we can agree that audiences didn't either. They just didn't buy it, and it wasn't what we'd come to expect. And. And Pixar is being weird right now, not only with how their movies are being released, but just like the the movie choices in general. I mean, this is a fifth sequel for the fifth film in a franchise. And it's like her. Really? So there it is. Well, and you've completely cut out the four previous ones. Right. And then also my other issue of not liking this movie is because in number four, they basically gave Woody the uh, the heave ho and like didn't give him any much of mm-hmm. any part really. Well, so they treat him you like mean, a they don't, not Woody, but Buzz. I'm, Buzz yeah, gets Buzz, the the dumb sidekick treatment, right? And not even a sidekick. He's just like okay, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Know, that's all he gets. And so you make me not care about him in Toy Story 4 and then you come back and thinking that I'm going to really care about him in Lightyear and I just don't. Here's here's what made the Toy Story franchise work is that it was about toys that came to life and their secret right. world and that was cool and that was fun. So all right, wrapping it up, there are the five movies of the post Lassiter era or you know, until a future better name can be established. Uh-huh. <laughs> and yeah, that's what we got, guys. So let me just rank them real fast. I'm going to, wow. Um, uh, okay. I'll do from like worst to best. Okay. Light year. Number five, turning red. Number four, soul. Number three, onward. Number two, and Luca. Number one. I agree with that. That's exactly what I would, I would say. There we go. That is both of our, that's the official rotoscoper stamp (laughs) of approval. We both agree. There you go. Let us know your thoughts on this episode of the Animation Addicts podcast and just the post Lasseter era, how, what you would name it and your thoughts on it. Where are we going from here? Well, we have Elemental coming out in summer 2023, Elio coming out in March 2024. So we're going back to those March release dates to see how they do. And then Inside Out 2, June 14th, 2024. All right. Until next time, we, we are, are the Rotoscopers. We are in our final era. Excuse me. Oh, dear. I'll try that again. You okay? <laughs> that was <there>. a burp. <laughs> that was strange. You've been listening to the Animation Addicts podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe and be sure to leave us a five-star review. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. 
And if you want to help spread the word, be sure to share the podcast with your friends on social media. Just don't forget to tag us at Rotoscopers on Instagram and use the hashtag Animation Addicts. For all the links and full show notes for this episode, go to rotoscopers.com slash podcast. Now, if you still can't get enough for your animation fix, be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube and visit rotoscopers.com for more animation news, reviews, and interviews. Thanks for listening. 